Hey, 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 welcome to her CEO journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you are a regular listener, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world, and to achieve financial equality through your business. Today is a huge milestone because you are listening to episode 100. First of all, thank you. Thank you so much to all of you, my listener and my guests. Without your support, really, episode 100 won't happen. I launched this podcast back on March 11, 2019, the same week we celebrated International Women's Day. I did it on purpose because I believe it was appropriate to launch a podcast focused on women entrepreneurs During the week, we celebrated International Women's Day, and the theme for the year was Think Equal, Build Smart, Innovate for Change. One of the goals of this podcast from the beginning has been to empower women entrepreneurs to achieve financial equality. I want to empower women entrepreneurs to build smart businesses and achieve financial equality through their business. Because I see financial equality as a way for us women entrepreneurs to fight gender inequality. If you are a regular listener, you have heard me talk about United Nations Sustainable Development Goals in the past few weeks, right? And those of you who are new here, there are 17 global goals, officially known as the Sustainable Development Goals, and gender equality is actually goal number five. So I see financial equality as a way for us to fight gender inequality because statistics has proven that more and more women are starting businesses globally and women support their family and communities through their business just like all of us who are listening in this podcast. And often they build a purpose-driven business Business as a force for goods, businesses that are good for people and the planet. When women are successful in building a profitable social impact business, then the impact to people around them, to the community, and to our world are huge. The other side of it, if they build a smart business, women can pay themselves the salary they deserve as founders and CEO. If we are being just and fair to ourselves, we should be able to pay ourselves what we deserve. When we continue paying ourselves the salary we deserve, then the gender pay gap between men and women can be eliminated by 2030, which means we can achieve financial equality. We can help fight gender inequality. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, financial equality can only be achieved if we run a profitable business. 
There's nobody that's gonna give us a salary other than ourselves. And a profitable business doesn't depend on revenue alone. Don't get me wrong, you need revenue. When you started your social enterprise, your main focus were bringing in consistent revenue. But as you achieve the next stage of business, that scaling and growing stage, perhaps your revenue is already around a million dollars and more, focusing on revenue alone won't get you to profitability. You need more. Having the right financial knowledge, having the right financial tools and processes will get you to the next level. Knowing the financial health, having financial visibility of your company, you need those or else your big why, your purpose, your mission cannot be sustainable or even worse, you won't achieve it because you don't take care of the financial aspect of your business. That's where this podcast comes in because the guests on this podcast share their financial journey in scaling and growing. And we discuss the financial processes, the tools they use in their business, also lesson learned along the way. For those of you who wants more, who wants to have the right financial knowledge tool and processes to get you to the next level, I have also created a special podcast series This podcast series will give you the right financial knowledge tool and processes, and you can access it at christinashahli.com forward slash podcast series. This is because I want you to scale and grow your social enterprise in the right way. Curating and creating 100 episodes has definitely been a journey. And at times, it's like climbing up a tall mountain. You would get to a quarter of the way and you would be thinking, is it really worth it for me to climb up to the top? But here's the weirdest thing. When that moment, that difficult moments happen, I would receive messages from listener. That's why in celebrating this big milestone, I want to give shout out to those listeners who helped me get through the difficult moments. A big shout out to Sandra Shorter, Linda Lopak, and Erin Rollenhagen for nominating her CEO journey to Business Insiders Prime. As a result of their nomination, this show was selected as one of the 12 best business finance podcasts in 2019, only eight months after I launched. So thank you so much, ladies. And thank you to Carlin Hunter for your message. Carlin said, I'm so happy that I came across your podcast. Not only has your podcast helped me better advise my brother on his business, but it has also inspired me to pursue board position and further my knowledge on the road of becoming an angel investor. I appreciate you and this podcast. Carleen was referring to a specific podcast series. It is about leveling up your skills as a CEO and founders. And you can find this podcast series from episode 78 to episode 83. Another special thank you for Jamie McNally, who wrote that her favorite episode is episode 76, Turn Your Community into Investors with Equity Crowdfunding, The Journey of Kara Sam. 
So equity crowdfunding is one of the ways of raising capital, but it is not yet popular among women entrepreneurs. So in this episode, I invited Kira Sam to share why, as an entrepreneur, she chose equity crowdfunding instead of any other financing method, and why women entrepreneurs should consider raising capital through equity crowdfunding. A warm thank you to Julie from Wish and Give, who wrote, I love this episode. Thank you. Julie was referring to episode 82, Flick, Advancing Women X in Business, The Journey of Michelle Kwok. Flick, F-L-I-K is a community that connects ambitious young women looking for mentors with female founders looking for apprentices. Julie needed apprentices for her business, so this episode was perfect for her growing organization. This last shout out meant a lot to me because I noticed this person has followed my journey for a long time. So a big thank you to Jeannie Chen who wrote, I've been listening to your podcast and your show is getting better and better each week. That's meant a lot that someone noticed the progress of this podcast. And I want to say thank you to all of you with your email, with your messages that came at the right moment when I was just about to stop. So thank you so much. And you can find specific episode that I mentioned inside christinashahli.com forward slash her CEO journey. This show is curated for you. So as we are moving beyond episode 100, reach out and let me know about the specific topics you want me to cover in upcoming show. Send me an email at herceojourney at gmail.com. As I'm creating one episode after another, I met different guests, I met different experts, I also learned about myself, about my business, Who am I excited to talk to? The type of business I'm excited to work with, as well as the type of financial knowledge gap that I notice among women entrepreneurs. In terms of gas, I have been and will be focusing more on female founders, leaders, and CEO who are committed to building a business as a force for good. Businesses that integrate the social impact into strategy and decision-making. Businesses that focus on how their product and service can do good for people and the planet while building a profitable business. I truly believe that's the future of business, where profit is just the byproduct of your value instead of making profit as the ultimate goal. Now, in terms of the shift in the topic for the podcast, based on research I had done and talking to many women entrepreneurs, Perhaps I noticed there is a knowledge gap, a financial knowledge gap among women entrepreneurs, especially those who want to scale and grow their business. So I plan to have more topics to help you bridge the gap in financial knowledge because I want you to scale and grow your social impact business the right way, especially if you are heading closer to the 1.5 million to around $2 million in revenue level, 
this is the stage where businesses need to have financial visibility and accountability to sustain their growth for the long run. This could also be the moment where you start to realize, hey, we're growing. I know I'm making a lot of money, but at the same time, there is tons of money flying out the door. I'm wearing too many hats and I don't have enough time in a day to take care of my finances. I rather focus on my mission. You need more than an accounting software and a bookkeeper. At this stage, some businesses may also want to seek external capital from investors or lenders. This comes with additional financial responsibility, not just the responsibility to pay the money back, but you need to make sure you have the right processes and tools to gather accurate and complete financial reporting for investors, lenders, or both. They want to know how are you using the money you receive and how are you growing and amplifying your social impact mission. Obviously, the stake is higher for a social impact business because your first focus is about amplifying your impact. And to achieve it, you cannot afford to neglect the business financial help. We know financial knowledge and confidence are really key component of financial decision making. And financial decision-making determine both the success and failure of businesses. This podcast and myself, I am here for you because I want to make sure that you are building and running a successful social impact business. For sure, I won't make it to episode 100 without all the amazing guests I had in this podcast. Earlier, I gave shout out to some of my listeners. And now it's time to give shout out to some of my amazing guests. And this is the top five favorite episodes. And I will share what I learned from each one of them and how these learning points either shape the future contents of the show or shift something in me as a business owner. Let's start with number one. This episode is about how the Canadian government is supporting women entrepreneurs and small businesses. I know as women entrepreneurs, and then I heard this so many times, the federal government has provided all this type of loan and then even the SIBA is 10,000 is grand, but it's still like a portion of it is like it's a loan. Women entrepreneur has this tendency of fear of getting debt financing. And then all of this are mostly our debt financing. Is there anything that you have seen to change the mindset, not to fear of getting debt financing, especially during this crisis where we need them? Yeah, absolutely. This is very much a part of the women's entrepreneurship strategy. It is to ensure that there is support out there for our female entrepreneurs and our women-led businesses. It's to help them develop that capacity and that tolerance for perhaps taking on that additional lending risk so that they can manage their way through COVID-19. This is why we have the ecosystems as we have them to help our women-led businesses through their entrepreneurial journey. It's also why we invested in the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Network. This is why we put out a, you know, it's the largest ever venture capital funding to support women entrepreneurs, a $200 million fund for women 
in technology, supporting women, business women in international trade so that they can grow not only domestically or in Canada, but access those international markets by growing your business. So all of these things are very exciting. And women entrepreneurs were firing on all cylinders before COVID-19. So my job right now is to make sure that we support you through this journey so that we can, in that course of restart and recovery, we can get ourselves back on a path that will allow you to continue growing the vibrant businesses that you've just worked so hard to create. I know that we have a big market outside Canada. Is that the right strategy during this recovery process to step on the international market? Because every type of business growth, it's always needing capital access to grow. So do you believe it's the right thing? And then why is that the right thing to tap on the international market right now, especially when the supply chain is so crazy at this moment? I will share with you what I've shared sort of around the G20 table and where I've shared with my international colleagues and uh, with the Canadian businesses. Mm -hmm. Let's not use COVID-19 as an excuse to stop trading. Canada is a trading mm -hmm. country. We access those markets because that's where our customers are. Canada is a country of uh, just under 40 million people and our trade agreements gives us access to a billion and a half customers. These are customers. So for our companies to grow, they need to be able to grow not only in Canada, but also domestically. But you're absolutely right about the predictability of global supply chains, which is why I, as the international trade minister, have been working with international allies, like-minded countries, with uh, the APEC, the World Trade Organization, the G20, to make sure that we are standing up to ensure that global supply chain, especially for essential goods, especially for agriculture, for food, remains stable and that the supply chains continue to move around the world. And we have actually been pretty successful at ensuring that essential goods, particularly medical supplies, medical goods and agriculture, like Canada, along with about 43, I think it was somewhere 40 somewhat countries, WTO members signed on uh, on a commitment to ensure that the global supply chain of food remains predictable because Canada feeds Canada, but Canada also feeds the world. I had the pleasure to interview a women leader within the government of Canada, the Honorable Mary Ng, Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion, and International Trade. There were two points that stood out for me in this conversation. The first point is this. There is unspoken fear about getting into debt, even if the loan is provided by the government. But Minister Ng emphasizes the government is supporting women entrepreneurs to grow their business. And the Canadian government understands growth requires money. That's why they provided the loan to help women entrepreneurs to recover from the global pandemic as well as to grow their business. If you do proper financial planning and analysis, then you are taking a calculated risk, not just a guessing risk. The second point in this conversation is this. Women entrepreneurs in Canada have scaling problem, meaning they start businesses but don't know or are afraid to grow to the next level. When they do grow the business, they limit themselves to the Canadian market. Minister Ng encourages all of us to let go of the fear and access the international market. 
as a result of my conversation with Minister Ng and other research I had done, there will be a podcast series about exporting your product or services to the international market. I want you to let go of the fear by providing the information you need to export your product or services. Episode 57 is the second episode on this list, Financing Your Small Business with Purpose, which ties in well with the conversation I had with Minister Ng. Taking advantage of some of the great programs like WEOC and in each of the member organizations with under that are hosting webinars and educational sessions to bring women entrepreneurs together to understand what options are available to them. And participating in something like that brings community and opportunity to ask questions versus getting kind of caught up in the sea of information. When we look at women entrepreneurs, we tend to be more risk astute. I love that term because it's not risk averse, absolutely Mm -hmm. not, especially if you're going into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. But risk astute is about really being research-driven, methodical, asking questions before we jump into something. And I think we're going to see so many of these amazing women entrepreneurs come through this stronger because they're asking questions. They're looking at options. They're likely going to look at a combination of debt and equity. We know there's there's debt, there's equity, and those grants. Those are sort of the three main funding buckets. And so really looking at what is your funding puzzle? What is the combination of funding resources that you can put together? taking advantage of some of these government programs, talking to your banker and seeing what options are available to you there. Potentially, you know, it's not the best time to be, to be raising equity financing, but there are some opportunities around that as well. And putting together, you know, really researching each of those options and how they fit into your goals as a business owner, right? And then I think it's tricky because we have to look at the next three months and what does that mean when there's still a lot of uncertainty and we hope that we after that we have to be planning beyond that too right and looking ahead mm-hmm. to the next the next 12 months and the type of financing needed in the short term obviously and then in the longer term are going to be different and we don't have to decide everything now but starting to kind of put a plan in place and and as you said be prepared understanding cash flow needs in the next 3 months and then you know, different scenarios going forward and mapping those out mm-hmm. are going to be really, really helpful. Jill Earthy is the CEO of Women Enterprise Center, British Columbia Chapter. We discussed that growing a business requires capital and at times requires a combination of different types of financing. Instead of just focusing on equity financing, women entrepreneurs should also consider debt financing to grow their business to the next level and to also help businesses recover from the global pandemic we are in. The government of Canada continues to work very hard to support women entrepreneurs during this recovery process, which is aligned to what Minister Ng shared. One of the support that is currently available is the Regional Relief and Recovery Loan and Women Enterprise Center British Columbia Chapter under Jill's leadership is working so hard to distribute this loan to women entrepreneurs in British Columbia. This is a loan which gives access to capital to women entrepreneurs up to 40000 with a top-up of 20000 plus... This is the amazing part. An invitation to join a peer mentoring group guided by an experienced business advisor. Normally, when you apply for a loan, it doesn't come with a mentor. 
Imagine the benefit. You can feel confident that your non-deferrable fixed expenses are covered by this loan. You can pay your bills. One last thing to worry about. Then you have the helping hand of an experienced business advisor to help you learn new ways of doing business so you can focus on serving your customers and generating revenue. You can find out more about the Regional Relief and Recovery Loan using the links provided in the show notes. Episode 81 is third on the list. Scale your business with one powerful tool, empathy. Empathetic leadership is absolutely transformational. And so if they're happy with the results they're getting, then they don't need to worry about being empathetic. But if they want their companies to soar and to absolutely be as profitable and as successful as they can be, then empathy is the most underappreciated but most valuable asset you can have. Being able to put yourself in the shoes of your employees and to see the world through their eyes can only lead to a better company. Uh, There's just not a downside to it. I, I, I do believe it is the only reason that our company was successful this empathic leadership model of putting the employees first. You know, we were in a highly commoditized, mature business, very low margins, and yet we were able to be the most expensive in the industry, uh, in the United States, the most expensive, and still grow enough to be listed as an Inc. 5000 company, which is a list of the fastest growing privately held companies in the country for 10 straight years. And it, it certainly wasn't my... IQ. (laughs) It was was my EQ. It was empathy and empathy begets empathy. And when you start showing empathy and caring and compassion for your employees and they start doing it for one another, it is absolutely contagious. Can I tell you how that played out for me? Yes, please. So every month we gave the 10% profit share, but when I sold the company, I gave 15% to the employees. And this time it wasn't split evenly. It was split according to how long you've been with the company. That was only fair. Somebody had been with me 14 years that they get more than somebody who had been with me 14 months. Mm. Uh, One young woman, about 27 years old, she'd only been with us a couple of years and uh, I gave her her gift. And a few weeks later, she called Lucy and invited Lucy to lunch, uh, a lunch that she paid for. (laughs) And, uh, And she said, I have to tell you what I did with my money. And so she had saved all of her profit sharing money and then her gift from the company, which I think was about $30,000, $35,000. She paid off her parents' mortgage when she was a small child. And she had overheard them talking about how much they wanted to help relatives still in Serbia. And um, as soon as they could afford that, which would mean as soon as they could get the house paid for, they were gonna do that. And so she went and paid it off. And she said that before she came to work at Letter Logic, it would never have occurred to her to do such a thing. But the empathy that we had for one another and the caring atmosphere, just thinking about each other's situation is what made her make that decision. And it was one of the proudest moments of my entire uh, professional career. But I guarantee that it's, it's um, something that she'll be proud of all of her life, too. I think it's just a, a perfect example of how empathy is infectious. 
Sherry Deutschman is a serial entrepreneur and author of the best-selling book Lunch with Lucy: How to Maximize Profits by Investing in Your People. What I learned from my conversation with Sherry is this: treating your employee as your number one asset above and beyond profit doesn't mean you are a weak leader. It's actually the opposite. When you are able to put yourself in the shoes of your team members, share the truth with them, be direct but kind, and be transparent about the result of your successful business decision as well as the mistakes you made, you are leading with empathy. You create trust and a deep sense of security with your team. That's what makes a company successful. Episode 92 is the fourth on this list. How small businesses can create sustainable impact in this world. When we talk about like B1G1 idea, then sometimes people go like, "Oh, that's like Tom's shoes." Right? Like yes. because that's kind of well-known exactly. example. But it's that's not what B1G1 is because of course like some companies can do you know the B1G1 in a way that's really resonant for their uh, direct product and services but other businesses might find that, that you know imagining that kind of like a Tom's type of model to be applicable for their business right So B1G1 is really about imagining creating the positive impact through the good things that happen in the business So it can be anything, such as every time, like so. So you know, in our company, every email that we send, like all the team members send, create the impact. And we actually basically know how many emails we are sending <laughs> individually, <laughs> and we can compete <laughs> with each other as well. But every one of them make an impact. Or every meeting that we have in a company, at the end of the meeting, we would do you know meeting rating, like how meaningful was this meeting, and then we rate, and then there is a little giving budget for that meeting. So you know when we have a meaningful meeting and great conversation, we get to do more giving <laughs> and create more impact. So of course, like you know companies, like we have a kind of mortgage brokers. Every time they sign a, a new. Mortgage deal, then they would help uh, give bricks or help house people, or so they could actually link directly to the resonant story as well. But this is because any business can actually find the most useful and meaningful way to add a positive impact in their organization. It's not necessarily always financially driven. But of course, like businesses that want to actually integrate giving in their product, like every book we sell, we want to plant a tree. And as long as there is a financial budget, then they might be able to build plant one whole tree, tree per book. Or it could be that every hundred books we plant a tree. You know, like or some companies are starting to now think about carbon offset. So. Based on the number of team members they have or the office size, they might aim to plant a certain number of trees every month, right? Like then do a carbon offset. So because you know this B1 Java model with uh, so many hundreds of projects that's available at different cost, different category, how we would integrate the giving in what we do can be exponential and limitless. But then the danger of You know, small business is that if we try to do everything or too many things, we don't start it because it becomes overwhelming. 
So I would always say, let's just pick one thing <laughs> first. And then with that one thing, we find a project that's resonant and that's meaningful for us in business, in that business, and then make a difference. So once we start with one giving story and make that happen, then of course, like you can let your team members or your customers or clients to also engage in choosing a different project and to do a different type of giving too. But starting with just one simple thing and doing it now rather than, oh, I would do it one day or when new website launch, then I, I might do it or something because it's so easy to delay. <laughs> But if we delay just once, then we will keep delaying. So the most important thing is to go, I would do just this one thing and start now. Imagining like creating an impact and appreciating every business activity and doing it with respect, care, joy, and everything. And spreading that giving spirit to other business people so that we can unite and make a make greater impact. It's, it's also、uh, making it a habit, a small habit that over time it's going to become bigger without you realizing it. Masami Sato, the founder and CEO of B1G1, shared one statement with me. Imagine what if you could change life every day just by doing what you do. And this statement touches me on a deeper level. I want to change life every day just by doing what I normally do in my business. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned about the Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs. Actually, the total number of Sustainable Development Goals are 17. There are 17 global goals. And this goal, the purpose of this goal is to make or to create a better world by 2030, where we are fighting to end poverty, we are fighting to end inequality, and we are addressing the urgency of climate change. What is wonderful about B1G1, this organization, their platform has allowed many small businesses. To contribute to those global goals so we can all create a better world by doing what we normally do in our business. Because of what is happening globally, it makes me think deeply and clarify my purpose. It makes me think how I want to move forward in my business, how I can become part of the solution to this 17 global issue. How I can incorporate tiny impact in my business day to day operation. I decided to partner with B1G1 because I think they truly have an amazing platform and I can create one tiny impact, one business activity at a time. So let me give you an example. For each podcast episode that goes live, Something wonderful happens somewhere in the world. It could be seven days of business training to a woman somewhere in the world. It could be a several days of education for a girl somewhere in the world. I make this commitment because I believe the power of small, like Masami said. I believe I can create one tiny impact, one business activity at a time, and make this world a better world. By 2030. Here is the fifth episode on the list, episode 71 How to Innovate, Adapt, and Grow Your Business. When we look at things from the numbers and from a financial、mm-hmm. profit, which is incredibly important and it always will be, if we look at extractive systems, 
you're going to run out of runway. You're, you're only going to be able to extract so much. That is not sustainable. If we work to build regenerative systems, which is innately something that can continually be refueled and, and is able to help grow in other aspects, both from the environmental side, but also from the financial side, by building regenerative systems, and CEO is a regenerative system. By building regenerative systems, we can really give people agency to accelerate the kind of changes that we need to see in the investment world, in the business world, when we're looking at products in terms of how they're built and sourced and supply chains. Mm -hmm. If we, if we mm -hmm. are looking to rebuild and redesign the post-COVID world, it has to be grounded in a regenerative model because we've been doing the extractive model way too long and we see where that mm -hmm. gets us. Brandy DeCarly is the founding partner of Farm From A Box and she is on a mission to disrupt local food production and enable communities around the world to grow their own nutritious food with clean technology. Brandy is building a purpose-driven business where profit is a tool to create a better world. It is a tool to amplify her social impact mission. Interviewing female founders like Brandy with a strong purpose makes me excited about the future of business because this is a better way to run a business where we focus on all stakeholders, not only the shareholders. And that's a wrap to this episode, episode 100. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers to another 100 episodes of Her CEO Journey that will change the world of business for the better. A world where all women entrepreneurs are financially literate. That's a vision I'm working towards. And cheers to more episodes where my guests and I continue to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world, and to achieve financial equality through your business.